Hello. Oh, okay. I got, I got a long sermon tonight, so I need all the time I can get. I'm just being funny. Um, cool. So if you didn't hear, my name's Craig. Not Craig for a long time. Just short, one syllable. So a little bit about me, if you don't know me. I um, went to Chi Alpha at the University of Arizona, Bear Down. Probably no Aspire basketball. But next, uh, so last week, Nate uh, was talking about the Book of Daniel. We're actually, this whole uh, semester, we're going through the Book of Daniel. And so just to kind of give you uh, a backstory to where I'm going to be talking about tonight is um, the Jews uh, were in Israel, and they kept disobeying God. And so this is how the Old Testament, too. So they kept disobeying God, and God warned them and sent people to warn them and said, hey, if you don't start obeying me, you're going to get, you know, a, a foreign army's going to come in and, and haul you away. And they kept disobeying and disobeying. God kept warning them. And finally, the day came, and an army showed up from Babylon and gathered up all their best and brightest and took them away. Where did they take them to? So they took them to the lovely land of Babylon. So Babylon, if, uh, it has one of the ancient wonders, the, the Hanging Gardens, you guys have heard of that. Um, it's a big fancy city, uh, cutting edge, uh, probably the biggest city these Jews have ever seen in their entire life. They are the minority there. They're foreigners. The people there don't worship the same, they don't worship, well, same, they worship gods, plural. Jews only worship one god. So it's very different. And so in this situation, what can we learn from it? So for us, as followers of Jesus, some of us, uh, we are following, trying to follow God in a land that doesn't follow God. And, you know, so we're kind of foreigners in a land where it's, it's you know, different to follow God and difficult to follow God. Uh, so today we have a very classic story. How many of you in here, raise a hand, have ever heard of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting hucked into the furnace? Okay, a few of you. Okay. Some of you haven't heard it. This is great because we're going to be reading the whole thing tonight. So hold on to your seats, right? Cool. So I'm just going to start reading. We're going to get through this. This is, the, this is out of Daniel 3 is what we're going to talk about. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, so a big statue, and set up in the plain of Dura in the, in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages out to the high officials Officers, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the providential officials that came to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar he had set up. So it sets a big statue, brings in all the who's who's and what's of wherever to, you know, stand around this thing. Then a herald shouted out, must have been a really loud guy. People of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, um, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Uh-oh. I use paper. I like paper. Um, wait a second. So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people... Whatever their race, nation, or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Some of the astrologers went to the king to inform the, on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue. Um, 
uh, when they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. This guy, you'll see this guy's kind of always on the, the edge here. Um, and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they, brought, uh, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down to the worship uh, and worship the statue I made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Okay, that was a lot of scripture, but it's all good. So what have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got themselves into, right? They're just minding their own business, they're just worshiping their own God, and all of a sudden they're brought for the king, and they're getting um, challenged with getting thrown into a furnace. Uh, Basically, so when you look at this scripture, this is relevant to us because when uh, we will be challenged, uh, whether you've heard it or not before, there's like a cost of following God. If you haven't heard it before, uh, it is true, there's a cost of following God, and these guys are realizing the cost of following God in this moment. So we live in a world that is very different than what God would be uh, pleased with, you know, full of choices, different things we could do. And if you read in scripture, there's, there's things that God wants us to do, and there's, we live in a world with people that are like, no, do this instead, actually. So here in the States, not so much. Um, so in my life, I've been following Jesus for over 20 years. So you guys can put that together. Um, I've been, I got, also came to Jesus in, well, started following him in high school, if you want to put that all together. Um, so I've been called a prude. I've been, uh, I said I need to get a real job. Um, lies have been spoken about me. I've been told by religious people, Christian religious people, to stop teaching I do not think I've ever actually really been persecuted once at all, actually. Not even close to what others face. Um, as, I, as I go overseas, me and my wife are going to be moving over to Portugal. Maybe a time will come. Yeah, we're going to do Kyle for there. Maybe a time will come, and I hope I can pass the test. But following Jesus is not a walk in the park. And if anyone says it is a walk in the park, they're probably preaching the prosperity gospel, and you should avoid that. Um, the reality of what I'm talking about is found in Jesus' words. So I really want you guys to hang on every single word I say. These are the words of Jesus. These are not my words. Um, I wouldn't be smart enough to write words like this. This is what he said. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whatever would sa- whoever would save their life will lose it. But whoever will lose their life for my sake will save it. Forever do- whatever- for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul, or himself, I guess that's another translation. For whoever is ashamed of me, these are really scary words here, whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father and the and holy angels. It's an intense verse right there. Um, and I've been guilty of this before, so don't think I'm just calling you out and sitting on a, a pedestal or something like that. I've been guilty of this, being ashamed of Jesus, so... Um, it also says again in Acts 14.22, I read this recently, I thought this is a really intriguing verse. Um, and so this is Paul encouraging the church. This is really funny. This, this is him encouraging the church. So they were there, strengthened the believers, 
They encourage them to continue in faith. So that's good. Oh, yeah, continue in faith. That's good. I like that encouragement. Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so we must, in, must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's kind of, uh, that's kind of scary. Um, so let's get back into the story. You got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the king. What are they going to do? What will they do? We'll see how they respond. That's something interesting. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. That's a good, that's a good thing to say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God of whom we serve will be able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, Nate alluded to this last week, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. They were pretty clear, weren't they? Right? King didn't have to be like, what? You know, he's like, okay, I know exactly what's going on. They stood in the light of which they knew. They'd been following God for a while, and they knew where their relationship was with God. What does this have to do with, with you and me? Is, is uh, the president setting up a you know, gold statue somewhere, and there's a fiery furnace, and he's just like, what does that have to do with us? The truth is, if you are truly following God, your time will come. Kind of scary, right? And we see this in 2 Timothy 3.12. It says there, it says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. So I want to honor uh, some people in this room that, you know, I'm not going to identify them, but I want to honor them. So we have some people that have decided to go to Russia. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys really quick. And, and I mean this, you guys are going to go through some really tough stuff. You're going to, you, there's a chance of getting persecuted, getting locked up in a room, getting deported. And you know what? It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth every bit of it. As we see Russian sons and daughters come into the kingdom to experience the light for the very first time, it'll be worth the price paid every time it will be. And there's people who suffer even more than that. Praise God, we're Americans and the Russians, you know, it's good to be American in some, sometimes, actually. We have a lot of privileges. So let's keep going. So what is Nebuchadnezzar going to do? Is he just going to be like, okay, well, uh, well, the, you know, when we're at the furnace, we'll just let you guys go. Let's see what he does. So Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's pretty angry. Um, he commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So he tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed with their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. I don't know why there's always lists in this. It must be this is the style of the day. Um, and because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire, fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they, were, as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. That is a scary situation. You know, you got some, some big guy carrying you up a furnace, throwing you inside. So just to give you an idea of what this furnace is like, this is not like a pizza oven. You know, they wouldn't fit in a pizza oven anyway. Maybe a big pizza oven. Um, but so a furnace, so what made Babylon so amazing is that it was made out of the, the latest technology, bricks. You know, right? Like, probably built the same time as everyday Joe's. Uh, but so the way you make bricks, latest technology, right? Um, so the way you make bricks is you, you use some mud. It's clay, clay mud. And you make a brick shape, and then you fire it in a kiln. 
and say we'd need a lot of bricks. So these furnaces were huge. Like you could walk into them and you stack up all the bricks in it, tons and tons of mud bricks, you know, pallets of them and each, you know, all around. And then you would light a fire in the middle and then out of the top would be a hole to let the smoke out. And so you'd have a door that you could look into, the fire where the bricks are at, and then the, the, you know, the big hole in the top. And they would get up to a normal brick firing oven gets up to about 1800 degrees, so pretty hot. And so you want it seven times hotter than that. And so if you've ever had like, you know, picture like when someone doesn't clean their grill and, the, and all the grease catches on fire and then it's like this huge inferno coming out of it. So they're just packing this thing with fuel and letting it go. And I should probably stop because all this knowledge is puffing some of you up, so I'm going to stop. Um, yeah, there's a scripture reference there. But anyway, so there's a lot of things that you can be scared of getting thrown to a blazing furnace. But the question becomes, were they controlled by this fear? Or were they not controlled by the fear? And I don't think they were. But for us, it is, are we scared of what people think of us? Does the fear of man control you? They could have just said, like, we're out of here and ran for it. And you know, these, these big guys ran and chased them down. There's none of that in here. You just tied them up and took them and hooked them in. The thing is, is that when you follow God, you're going to look different than the people around you. And that, that's okay. I remember when I decided to go to Colorado. It's funny, my mom was totally opposed to me moving to Colorado, me and my family. Uh, she did not want us to go to Colorado to do ministry here. And so every chance she got, she would just be like, you know, just random things. You can't do this, and what about this, and what about your kids, and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. What's interesting is she didn't say that for going to Portugal. I don't know what happened, but... Anyway, so people are going to be opposed to you. And you see this like um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 13 and 14. You see, they love this verse, some of my favorite verses. If it seems that we are crazy, it is bringing glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. The world's going to think we're crazy, and that's okay. Because the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of man. They're two different things. The wisdom of God is far superior so stop being a people pleaser. Work hard to please God. And this is called obedience in the way, and God says that if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So it's a way to, to love God. If you want to learn how to love God, just obey him. It's that simple. So what is it? Is it more important to you to what God thinks or more important to what your family thinks and your friend thinks about you? And that's not a call to just be a jerk and like, well, I can do whatever I want. No, that's not it. Um, you need to love those people too. But... Um, well, let's see if God came through for these guys. Let's keep going. Let's see if God came through for these guys. So continuing, uh, Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace and the guys were burnt to a crisp, completely dead, the end. That's how it ended. Right? That's what, that's what said in my paper that I printed out says that. So, well, slide guy. Okay, so really, so... But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the, the furnace? And then they, like these advisors are like, you know, like the pompous windbags. They're like, yes, your majesty, we certainly did. You know, not even looking probably. Um, Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors, another list, crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their head. 
was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Who do we serve? Our, our God, he's not messing around. I said this, I've probably said this in every sermon I preach. God's not messing around. He doesn't mess around. Our God breathes life. He knows the hour that, will be, that our life will be taken from us. He protects us, and he takes care and meets all our needs. This is not a call to be stupid. Like, oh, I'm just protected by God, and you run in front of a train. You're just going to get obliterated by the train. Um, but it is a call to walk in confidence into the will of God. Each one of us, so each one of you guys, I'll look at all you guys when I say this, each one of you has a call on your life. And you, you may, some of, the, some of the calls are big calls. Some of them are small calls. They're all calls from God, so they're all equal. Each one unique. Some of you in here are running away from your call like Jonah. If you know Jonah, he's, God told him to go to a city and, and proclaim his good news there. And he's like, nope. And he went the opposite direction, and then that didn't end up very well. You can read that in Scripture but I want to encourage you to get back on track tonight if you know that you're running away from God. And as you answer God's call, hard times will come, and we need to be ready. It's not always going to be hard times, and there's a lot of joy in following God. Um, but we need to be ready for the hard times. and can't just be like, oh, I'll, just, I'll be great when I follow God, and then when everything falls apart or persecution comes, you're like, oh, I'm out of here. We can't be like that. And even if these guys were cooked to a, to a you know, crispy critter, uh, if they were completely obliterated in the fire, would God be any less? No, he wouldn't be any less. Through life and death, our God is true. He's always true. And we see this, and some of this, my favorite scripture in the whole Bible is this verse right here. I'm really happy to get to read it because it just is my favorite. So this is the hall of faith. This is talking about the people that had great faith in the Bible. It's the, the people that have the greatest faith. So think about it that way. So I'm going to read through a bunch of different people, and we'll see how great their faith was. So Hebrews 11:32. And what more shall I say? Do I not have time, and this is the end of it, do I not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, um, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms? You're like, yes. Administered justice. Yeah, that's good. Gained what was promised. Oh, that's so good. I receive it. Escaped the edge of the sword. That's great. Uh, whose weakness was turned to strength. Oh, that's so good. Became powerful in battle, routing foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Oh, man, that's so good. You're like, man, this is great. This is, this is why I want to follow God. This is why I want to follow God right here. That's all this stuff. I receive it all. Being sarcastic. Um, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. Uh, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Yeah. Therefore, this is, this is the part, and then it dumps into this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance to the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on him, the pioneer and protector of our faith. Like, it also translates author of our faith. Jesus writes our faith. 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We know that whatever happens, our joy comes from God. And this is a mystery I want you to grab a hold of. And it talks about mysteries found in the Bible. This is one. This makes no sense. And if you're like, that makes no sense, it doesn't make any sense. It's a mystery of God. But you can't unpack it if you ask God to help you unpack it. So I want to conclude the, the story about Daniel. This is the last section of Daniel. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb for limb, and their houses will be turned into a heaps of rubble. Uh, there is no... There's no other God who can rescue like this. Sorry, that, Nebuchadnezzar is just kind of a, you know, he's got some screws loose or something. Uh, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to an even higher position in the province of Babylon. So I want to end, end with a warning. Yeah, people let somebody end with a blessing. I'm going to end with a warning. Do you catch what Nebuchadnezzar said in the end? Let me read it to you. There is no other God who can rescue like this. It sounds like, sounds like Nebuchadnezzar's got it. Like he's like, oh man, he's, he's starting to come to Jesus. You know, he's almost there. But let me translate what he said there. So he said, no other God can save like this. This gives a heart picture, or it gives a picture of a heart condition that's quite common amongst people who, who follow God. Really what it's saying is, Man, praise the God who rescues people from furnaces. If Nebuchadnezzar had ever fallen in a furnace, he knew how to cry out to, but he could keep everything else. Maybe, uh, maybe translated to God um, when I didn't study for a test. Right? Turn to God when, when your test didn't go so well, or you, didn't, or you knew it wasn't going to go so well. Or the God of Sundays, or I dare say it, the God of small group or outpost. It's as far as it goes. You can keep all your other gods, but I tell you what, when I'm at small group, I worship this god. Yeah, too much maybe. Compared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who took the full thing, Nebuchadnezzar should have stopped at, um, at the, uh, let me go back real quick. Oh, I can't grab it. Okay. He should have stopped at, there is no other god. Should have stopped there, but he kept going. God wants every part of you. Let me make that clear. God wants every part. If you are holding any area of your life away from God, I ask you to turn it over to him. Gently ask you, turn it over to him. Why are you hanging on to that other part? Jesus already knows what's there. It's not like you're like fooling God. Like he sees right through you. I mean, I that in some, and the truth is, knowing how loving Jesus is, it's kind of comforting. He sees right through us and loves us. I mean, that's, that's, that's really it's a good thought to think about. I also want to encourage some of you into, if you've never turned your whole life over to God, now is your opportunity. I always want to give an opportunity because it's really important. So I want to read this little section of scripture here. This is after Jesus has died. This is uh, at the end of a sermon that Peter gave in Acts. So after him preaching for a while, 
this is the end of it, and this is, this is the response, is what's captured here. And this gives you an idea how to give your life to God. So let me just start off. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. So that's Peter saying that. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So at the end, they're convicted. They're realizing, I need to turn my life over to God. And they're asking, what do we do now? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sin, so turn from your sin, leave it in the past, and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. That's us. All who have been called by the Lord our God. So I want to invite the band up, and we're going to sing this last song. And then after that, you're dismissed. You can go about and just do your homework or whatever uh, you got to go on. Or just hang out and spend time with people. you got some great people in here. But humbly consider where you're at and submit yourself to God. Following Jesus is not easy, but it is good and true. I have had the greatest moments of my life where have always been when I've been close to God, even in hardships, even in when my life has fallen apart, even when people ridiculed me or kicked me out of, uh, you know, friendship. Jesus has always been there, always been a friend, always cared for me. Even when I was completely broken, he was close to me and loved me. So I say, check your life, see where you're at. And if there's any area in your life, whether it be your whole life or just a little section of your life that you don't want to give to God, give it to him because he's good and he loves you and he cares about every part of you. So, yeah, thanks, you guys. I just want to read a psalm. It's, I think it's really prevalent to what Craig had spoken tonight. And it's a pretty common psalm. Most of you have probably heard it, um, probably at a funeral or two. <laughs> but it just reminds you, it reminds me of the Lord's goodness in times of persecution and in seasons of goodness. In Psalms 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord God, I just thank you, Jesus. For this psalm, I thank you, Jesus, that through the highs and lows of life that you're there, that you walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And Lord, we have nothing to fear 
because you're there leading us with your rod and your staff. And Lord, at the end of the day, you prepare a meal for us to sit in the presence of our enemies. Lord God, in times of persecution and in times where we come to the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lord, may we have the same response that they did and said, no, I will never bow down to any other idol besides nothing, nothing but you, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would make that relevant in our lives, Lord. Lord, that we would give our hearts fully to you and turn to you as our shepherd, allowing you to lead us through the valleys, through the highs and the lows, Lord God. We just thank you for that today.